Hey, it's Craig. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Canadian History X early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Greetings and welcome to another episode of Canadian History X. If you like, you can support the podcast for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash CanadaEHX. You can also donate to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking donate, or you can go to buymeacupofcoffee slash CraigU. All of these links are also in my show notes. And for people who donate, I have various levels of benefits. For $5, you get a thank you at the start of the next episode of Canadian History X, Canada's Great War, and from John to Justin, and on social media. For $10, you get everything from the $5, plus this episode is sponsored by, with your name at the start. Also, I'll state it's sponsored by you on social media. For $20, everything from the $5 and $10, plus a second episode sponsored by you, and promotion of something you're working on. And for $50, everything from the $5, $10, and $20 plus, you get to choose a topic for me to cover on Canadian History X. If you like, you can email me at craig at canadaehx.com. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D. And I'm on Instagram and TikTok where I put up daily videos about Canada's history. Just go to my username, Bairdo37. And you can find weekly videos on Canada's history on my YouTube channel. Just go to youtube.com slash c slash Canadian History X. If you want to find transcripts of every episode I've ever done, you can go to my website, canadaehx.com. And there's over 700 posts on Canada's history there. The area of Bonaccord, north of Edmonton, was the home of the Cree people for the most part for centuries, especially the Plains Cree. This area was plentiful in game and everything they needed to survive through the year. The territory was also the upper reach of where the bison would migrate in the summertime as the vast herds moved over the landscape. Of course, as time went on, Europeans began to push in from the east and that would cause their territory to be disrupted. A new indigenous group, the Métis, also arrived in the area as the 19th century wore on. Eventually, the indigenous of the area would be forced to sign a treaty that would hand over land to the government while giving them small reserves to live on. Today, Bonacord sits on Treaty 6 land. Nearby to Bonacord, the Michel Callahou Reserve would be established in 1878. This reserve, covering 100 square kilometers at one point, remains the home to the Michel Band. Throughout the 20th century, due to covering agricultural land, the indigenous of the reserve came under pressure to surrender their land to settlers, and over the course of half a century, the size of the reserve began to shrink. 
At the time, the indigenous could not vote unless they gave up their treaty rights under the Indian Act. On March 31, 1958, two years before the indigenous were granted the right to vote, the Michelle Band removed its status and enfranchised, becoming the only indigenous band in Canada to do so during the 20th century. Today, the Michelle Band is composed of indigenous with Cree, Iroquois, and Métis ancestry. Early development of Bonacord would begin in the late 1800s when Scottish immigrants started to settle and work the land. Eventually, the settlers decided to form a rural government to manage the creation and upkeep of roads, schools, and much more. The decision was made to call this new district the Bonacord District. The name was chosen due to the settler connections with Aberdeen in Scotland. The motto of Aberdeen, which was derived in the 14th century, was Bonacord, which means good agreement. While the railroad would come through in the early part of the 20th century, the service was not great, and that led to many headaches for the people of Bonacord. In 1922, the Alberta and Great Waterways railway schedule would have to be adjusted so that there was only the wait of one business day in Edmonton between trains. The Edmonton Journal reported, quote, People from the northern towns along the route of the A and GW are inconvenienced under the existing schedule, it is felt, by reason of the fact that in a trip to Edmonton, they must stay in the city several days between trains. End quote. The Bonacord Trade Association had put the request in to get better service from the railroad for the community. Many merchants in the community stated they were losing business because the service was less than adequate. It would take some time to get the request approved by the railroad company, but it was expected that within a few months, the residents of Bonacord would enjoy better train service, which in turn would help the local economy. I'd like to take a break away from the episode for a second to talk about ExploreNet. I spent most of my life living in rural areas in Canada, and I remember the days of dial-up internet and spotty high-speed service. For the past three years, I have been a customer of ExploreNet, and I can honestly say that it is the best rural internet I have ever had. My job as a podcaster means I spend a lot of time researching online, interviewing people over Zoom, and uploading content. Through it all, ExploreNet has provided me with excellent service. When I'm not working, I enjoy streaming content on several streaming platforms and even doing some online gaming with a friend in Ontario. ExploreNet allows me to do all of that with ease. Right now, they offer up to 50 megabits per second on their new LTE network with unlimited data. Their service has only become faster and better since I first signed on. Today and beyond, ExploreNet is investing in building and upgrading the network at a rapid pace. ExploreNet is rural, and that is their route, and that is their focus. For more information about rural internet options in your area, go to ExploreNet.com or call 1-866-285-2253. A few years later in 1928, even though the train service had improved, the mail service still left much to be desired. This couldn't be fixed by the railroad or even the provincial government. This had to be done by the federal government. To that end, a petition was sent to the Postmaster General to get better mail service. The service at the time was delivered on the railroad on Tuesdays and Thursdays only, which meant that it could take a week to get an answer back on a letter. This was not good for business. The Edmonton Journal reported, quote, Bonacord, one of the oldest, most prosperous farming communities in the Edmonton district, is desirous that, in addition to the present mail service, the postal department establish a mail route between Bonacord and Gibbons, four miles, 
whereby the mail for Bonacord would be taken from the CNR train at Gibbons on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. End quote. If this was approved, it would give Bonacord mail five days a week. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. In 1936, a young man named Eddie Errol, who was only 12, started to print his own newspaper in Bon Accord. He was the editor, publisher, and printer of the paper, which printed on 8x10 paper and only on one side. By the time he had reached his fifth issue, he had 54 subscribers who paid 2 cents per month or 25 cents per year. In total, he was bringing in $27 per month or about $518 today, which is not too bad for a 12-year-old. His newspaper also had an oil company advertisement in it, bringing in some extra money. Within the newspaper, he published stories on the local basketball teams, a women's institute meeting, and several other bits of information from the community. Thanks to his work on the newspaper, he would be invited to visit the Edmonton Journal headquarters, where he was shown the current methods for getting the daily newspaper out to the city. The Edmonton Journal reported, quote, The youthful editor was accompanied on his visit by his mother, younger brother, and two younger sisters. All of these little group were interested in the musical festival and in progress in the city, end quote. Arrow would continue his love of newspapers, and after he served in the Royal Canadian Air Force, found himself in Redwater, Alberta, where he was working for the Redwater News. On May 28, 1960, Mary Everett would pass away. She was a very early pioneer to Bonacord, having moved to the area in 1896 with her husband Henry from Chatham, Ontario. The couple with their four children would spend $40 to build a mud shanty, where two more children would be born. When the family arrived, they found four families in the district, and her husband did manual labor for those families at a cost of 50 cents per hour to provide for the family. Her husband would say of that time, quote, There were no roads, schools, or doctors in those days. If you got sick, either you got better or you died. End quote. She would knit all the clothes the family needed and sell other clothing she made to bring in money. Her husband John would also trade his double-barrel shotgun for 800 pounds of flour, and that is what the family lived on for the first year. The sons of the couple would continue to farm the land, and in the late 1950s, oil was discovered on the land, and by 1960, there were four oil-producing wells there. By the time she passed, Everett had 31 grandchildren and 67 great-grandchildren. In 2015, Bonacord made nationwide news when it was decided to make the community a dark sky community. The genesis of the idea first began in 2012 when the town was looking for a branding strategy. They submitted the application to the International Dark Sky Association in May 2015, and in August they received their approval. The approval came about because of the community's efforts to preserve and enhance the dark night skies of the community. The community has fully shielded light fixtures, and they limit the amount of light allowable on public and private properties. This was a huge honor as Bonacor became the first community in Canada to receive the designation, and only the 11th in the entire world to have it. 
A town of Bonacourt is preparing to turn out the lights. Officials there are applying to be the first community in Canada with dark sky status, meaning they will commit to cutting down on light pollution and hopefully become a magnet for stargazing in the process. This project is the brainchild of Patrick Earle. He is Acting Chief Administrative Officer for the town of Bonacourt in studio here. So nice to have you here. Thank you. Okay, let's talk about applying for this status. What does it entail? Uh, well, to start off, it's... Uh it takes uh, a little bit of a, a process with um, getting um, some some background details on projects in town. Uh, we need 10 projects uh, related to light pollution abatement, uh, whether that's retrofitting, uh, public education. Um, uh, 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 we're doing a streetlight retrofit as well. So it's pretty extensive throughout the whole town. And then, of course, uh, policy or bylaws. Okay. Uh, we do want to mention Alberta has a few parks with this status, mm -hmm. uh, but you would be the first town. Yes. How do you go about that? What are some of the, the projects that you're going to be doing out of the town? Um, well, a lot of it is education. So um, what we do is we, uh, we have uh, the streetlight retrofit. So we, we will replace every uh, cobra head, basically every street, uh, street lamp in town. Uh, from the traditional lamp to a, what we call a full cutoff lamp. And that directs the light more downwards. Um, there's no light that goes above the horizontal line of the lamp. Um, and we're doing that to every, every lamp in town. Um, then we go into the schools and we, we talk about dark skies and how they're important um, to the environment and to the community as a whole. Uh, we talk about light trespass. Uh, so that's sort of protecting other adjacent properties from sort of the overcast of light into, it's like noise. We, we look at it the same as noise. So. Okay, what would the residents have to do? Like keep their blinds shut all the time or? Uh, no, it, we're not looking at indoor lighting. It's strictly outdoor, so. But that's seeping out to the outside. Um, generally not so bad, because okay. it doesn't usually jump to another property. Um, what tends to happen is those security lights that are motion censored on driveways, and they shine and light up a whole alley or half a block. Um, it would be um, over the next eight years within this bylaw, it would have, uh, as these lights fail and get replaced, mm -hmm. they would then in turn uh, replace the, the, the unit or the lamp itself and shade it down to illuminate the actual area that might be a security issue as opposed to the neighborhood. Okay, why Bonacord? Um, basically, we wanted to do something unique for the town to promote growth, our tourism destination, and uh, we're, we're trying to just make a niche for ourselves uh, in relation to our regions. I hope you enjoyed that episode of my look at Bonacord, Alberta. If you did, please leave a rating and review. If you like, you can email me at craig at canadaehx.com. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D, and I'm on Instagram at Bairdo37. As well, again, if you want to support the podcast, you can for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash CanadaEHX. And you can donate to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking donate. I'd also like to thank all of my wonderful patrons, and I apologize if I get any names incorrect. Wendy Mills. Keelan Pregnitz. Michael Matthews, Joanna Parker, Jeff Dahl, Vobbs, Robert Page, Richard D., Colin Johnson, Jeff Hershey, Kyle Murray, Steve Pakin, Matthew Gartho, Lionel Romaine, Dr. Bob Turner, an anonymous patron that I truly do appreciate, Randy Hayden, Doug Campbell, Reg W., Deborah Carlson, Francis Helbling, Nick Zinri, Shannon Marshall, Clinton Martinez, Dimitri Shove, 
Aaron O'Hara Myers, Robert Dunseith, Todd Casey, Catherine Rawa, Luke S., J.P. Bear, Jason Hall, Phil Maynard, and Iris Gray. Thanks, and we'll see you again next time.